A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, live from Wimbledon on day two of the championships where for anybody that cannot see us right now, um, let, me, let me paint a picture for you. You find us not even in our wet weather position today. <laughs> our wet weather position quickly became, uh, due to torrential conditions, a literal wet weather position. We are in something even more emergency than a wet weather position. Chivalry is is not dead. There are three men on the tennis podcast team. All of them are in the dry right now. And you find myself, Catherine Whitaker, perched underneath an umbrella. We appreciate it. Mm. Yeah. Good times, we really guys. Do. <laughs> it's lovely over here. Good times at Wimbledon. What a day. What a day it has been. It's been the kind of day where if we didn't have two roofs on two show courts, we'd have been watching the 1980 tie break between Borg and McEnroe <laughs> on a loop yeah, today. That's right. I mean, it really brought back memories of my childhood in terms of just not being able to watch tennis. In the first, There was an hour before the show courts with the roofs got underway and where you're actually able to watch no matter what. And then... I was on court number 18 where Katie Bolter was playing and it was an hour and one minute she'd played to get to 6-5 down in the in the first set against Daria Saville. And it reminded me of 1997 being on exactly the same court, having queued for three days <laughs> and not seen a single ball hit. And that was the moment that broke my enthusiasm for, for, for queuing and for tennis as a fan. You were broken. I was broken, yes. I, I spent two days in the queue non-stop in a tent with my good friend Alex Kennison, who I'd been to university with and I'd been to two previous years with and loved every minute of it. And we had great weather, great times. And then in 1997, we saw two days of unbroken rain. Then we got on to court number 18 and we saw a knock-up for Mary Jo Fernandez, <laughs> and then we saw another knock-up for Cedric Pialine, and that's it in three days. I think the only good thing I have to say about the weather today, is this a good thing? Who knows? You be the judge. Is that it has rained so consistently that there haven't been the false starts, there haven't been any false dawns, there haven't been any knock-ups. <laughs> the rain came considerably earlier than everybody expected it to. It was forecast for today, uh, but it wasn't forecast to come at about, what, Hoppers 12, which is which is when the heavens did open. I think there was one moment when David hastily um, gave himself indigestion with some pasta because he, he, <laughs> he thought he might be back on court 18 with Katie Bolter. But alas, now I don't think players even ever made it to the no. court, did they? It's been consistently miserable. Mm. Although what that does mean is that all day I've been stressing about what tomorrow is going to be like. And I have literally just seen the order of play several seconds before coming on air. Possibly had a heart attack when I saw that there were about 87 singles matches on the order of play tomorrow. Uh, but that's, that's for tomorrow. That's a later Let's problem. Let's through this now. Yeah. Why, the- why, why is that stressful? It's exciting. It's very exciting. But we, as, as we've discussed, 
humans are not capable of following more than about two or three tennis matches at any one time. I'm certainly not, and yet I want to be able to follow many more than that. And I'm I'm just braced for for exciting, yes, but stressful day. There's going to back you up. There's going to come a point tomorrow where frenzied Matt is going to long for the times of only having Casper Rude to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the days. Um, yeah, look, we will we'll give a good chunk of time to looking ahead to tomorrow because it is going to be an absolutely crazy day here at Wimbledon on day three. But luckily, due to roofs, thank thank you, roof gods, um, we do have some tennis to talk about today. It was 3pm before there was a winner at Wimbledon. <laughs> that was Carlos Alcaraz over on court number one, defeating a retiring Jeremy Shardy. Relief for Jeremy Shardy, he doesn't have to play another match. <laughs> this this is indeed his last, as he had announced. Six love, six two, seven five for for Alcaraz. I'm glad Shardy made somewhat of a match of this in the end because um, there was a point in this match when Matt and I were on triple bagel alert. That's <laughs> that's how well it wasn't awkward actually, was it? Because you it felt like there were so many people in that crowd on court one today for whom it was their first time seeing Carlos Alcaraz and quite honestly they didn't care what was going on down the other end of the court they were just there for the Alcaraz show and they got one yes they really did he he was at his shot making best for most of the match I mean Jeremy Shardy with his with his grey beard and his top that looks like he's bought it in the Moratoglu Pro Shop should, should <laughs> just there be did a, not look ready to take on Carlos Alcaraz. Should there be a rule that once you've once got a grey beard, it's time to pack it in? What's <laughs> wrong with grey hair? No, but there's something about, I mean, you can't have Lockery Mora if you've got a grey beard. <laughs> <laughs> you look like Gandalf. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I, I do kind of know what you mean. Goran Ivanisovic started to go grey, but he was already retired. Feliciano Lopez went through that period, didn't he? And Still in it, yep. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, at least, at least he's retired now. Mm. But yes, Jeremy joins them. Yeah, I mean, seven double faults in his first three service games. Uh, I think it was six love and a break. Certainly we were, as you said, on triple bagel watch. And then, fair play to Jeremy Shardy. He, he made a, a real go of that third set. Went up a break at one point. Got broken straight back. Uh, but... <laughs> Generally, it was a very comfortable start for Carlos Alcaraz. He was just a little bit gutted that uh, Roger Federer wasn't watching him he, because Roger Federer, of course, was on was on centre court and Alcaraz was on court one. And we know how much Alcaraz loves Federer. And genuinely, I think he was a little bit gutted. I think he would have wanted to put on a show for Federer. Because it would have been a completely different dynamic, Roger Federer watching Carlos Alcaraz, because Roger Federer was, of course, Carlos Alcaraz's hero. Whereas I've just come from the Andy Murray press conference and he was watched on by Roger Federer on, on centre court today and of course Federer was his rival mm. um, and actually by the sounds of things Murray didn't find that nearly as strange as, as a lot of people were expecting him to, there were a lot of questions about it and he kind of wasn't taking the bait, he was sort of like yeah it's fine um, <laughs> but y- y- yeah uh, uh, for Carlos Alcaraz it would have been like um Rod Laver watching on or something. <laughs> Do you remember when Federer was playing his final match at Laver Cup and you'd got the tears with Nadal and Federer and Alcaraz was just relentlessly tweeting hmm. tearful emojis and yeah. uh, and <laughs> the, the sort of the kid in him mm. came out in in that moment I thought and and I think the 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 lad who wanted to be a tennis player who was following Roger Federer all of his life and obviously Nadal too um, so yeah I th- I think it, that would have been actually quite an interesting experiment to see whether it might have. I, th- I suspect it would have made him put on a show and be even more spectacular and joyous and exuberant. But it could have gone the other way and maybe mm. and unsettled him. We'll never know. Well, David, it, during the 11 games of tennis that you got to commentate on <laughs> today, one of the things you did get to commentate on was the mid-match arrival of the Princess of Wales yeah. to Katie Bolter's match on court 18. Um, which was called off at 6-5 in That's the first right. set. Really tricky time for, for Bolter and um, Daria Saville to get called off. And I'm sure there were reasons for it. 
And of course, she can arrive when she likes. But I did think, blooming heck, that's distracting to arrive on a court that intimate wearing lime green. Not that, she, you know, she'd have been noticed whatever she was wearing, of course, but it was very distracting and eye-catching. I did think, wow, that's quite a lot for Katie Bolter to deal with. I, I think that my guess is that they do that so that it can be done in a controlled way. I think if if you were coming in when the match was starting, maybe on on a court like that, maybe with everybody else coming in, it might not be so easy. They'd sort of reserved... You, you, you could tell at the start of the match the, they'd reserved about eight seats there <laughs> because it's not just her, you know. She's flanked by the chairman of... the incoming chairman of, of Wimbledon, Deborah Jevons, and, and she was also there with Laura Robson on the other side. And then, obviously, the detail, the uh, the, the various people that need to, to look out for her. Plus, um, plus all the incognito detail. Oh, Did you yeah. find yourself trying to pick out the the plain clothes guys i can't say i did that's what i do <laughs> my mind doesn't work no? quite like uh. yours <laughs> but but uh, but what i do think oh look there's andy murray oh yeah he's just uh, wandering out of his press commitments um but what i do think would have happened is katie bolter and darius saville were probably informed before the match that this is going to happen and actually, I don't think anyway that it would be nearly as disconcerting for Bolter because a year ago, she was in the Laura Robson role, sitting next yeah. to the Princess of Wales when That's Harriet true. Dart was playing a match. Because, I mean, she's a huge fan of tennis, is the Princess of Wales. And, uh, I mean, she recently featured in that video with Roger Federer. Back, back when Katie Bolter and Harriet Dart were friends, would yeah. love to know what's happened in the last 12 months. Because right. <laughs> I don't think they're yeah. going to be watching one another's matches anytime soon. See also Harriet Dart and several other British tennis players mm. I think mm. if if handshakes or anything to go by. So Katie Bolter and uh, Daria Savile's match, one of the many that have to come back and resume tomorrow, we'll, we'll leave talking about that till later Matt, don't worry we're, we're, we're staying in un- <laughs> unanxious waters we're with for, you, for a little while let's, let's head over to Centre Court and talk about what we've already alluded to a lot the, the great return of Roger Federer we knew this was happening Uh, we knew that there was um, initially when this arrangement was first talked about the hope was it was going to be Roger Federer and Serena Williams of course Serena Williams pregnant with her second child not able to to be here today the the club released a statement saying that they would be honouring Roger Federer as the most prolific men's champion in the open era uh, with eight titles it did make me think Right, well, you've, you've probably got 12 days left <laughs> left to do that. Well, they, so they probably knew that. <laughs> good, good job you're doing it now. Um, and we didn't know how it would look, did we? I, I expected him to be announced out onto court um, to do a quick interview and then to take his place in the royal royal box. Um, what actually happened was he was given given the big announcement walked out straight into the royal box did some very emotional moving waving looked like a big kid didn't he, he had his little little why do i lose all the close matches big kid federer face on and his mum was crying buckets behind him it was all very sweet but actually then didn't didn't speak and i wondered if that was an attempt to prevent him overshadowing elena rabakina's moment on centre court obviously she opened centre court today as the defending women's champion I still think it did overshadow a little bit just because he's Roger Federer Um, I don't know how you avoid that because you want to make a big thing of Roger Federer being here I wonder if maybe doing it before the after the first match before the Murray match but maybe Murray wouldn't have been happy with that I don't know but on one hand I would have liked to hear from him on the other hand I'm sort of glad that Rabatkina didn't didn't have even more detraction from her spotlight. In the end, I was quite concerned about this yesterday and was on tenterhooks because I thought, yeah, this is her moment and I want it to be about her returning as the champion onto the scene of her, her triumph. And obviously, But obviously Roger Federer absolutely deserves to be celebrated and everybody deserves a chance to celebrate him um, in the end I kind of felt that they, that it, it worked out okay because you could keep it to time doing it this way I think if, you, if you'd if you got involved in a chat that could have gone on 
and and things might have been His delayed. answers are long, aren't they? they we are do know long. that from 20 years and of the, federal and press And the ovation in between every answer would have been long, and so, so because that's kind of, you know, the crowd are so into it, aren't they? You, can, you only need to say a couple of words and you're getting a standing ovation. Um, and this way, I, 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 look, she also had an absolutely packed house to greet her onto the court. So, yeah, I, I, I feel better about it than I thought I would. Well, one thing I would say, um, because, you know, maybe we have some sway around these parts now. We wanted Venus Williams against Alina Svitolina to be on centre court. It happened. We can't disprove that that wasn't because of us. <laughs> There's no evidence to the contrary. No, no one's telling us any different. So I'll just say it. I would love it if they honoured the most prolific women's singles champion, Martina Navratilova, in a similar way. Now, I know lots of you will say she's been retired a long time. She has been honoured a lot here. That is absolutely right. She has been. But she did not get to appear last year at the champion ceremony. It should have been her moment at the end to walk out as the most prolific ever singles champion and she got covid she did the honorable thing that lots wouldn't and she counted herself out and i know she was devastated about it so i think it would be a a wonderful opportunity to do something special for for martina couldn't agree more i've said it and now if it happens definitely it's all you we can clip this up (laughs) yeah not sure i'll want to relive this situation. I'm having a great time. <laughs> Anytime soon. How is the uh, arm, Catherine, with the umbrella? You've got a you've got a pretty I, impressive system. Going I think on I've there. got a good system here. Mm. Mm. I, for anybody listening rather than watching, I, I my right hand is doing double duty. It's holding an umbrella and a microphone mm, in order yeah. to free up my left hand for drinking. I was going to say that anaesthetizes the, mm. any pain. Yes, it that is. You might be I've got a system going on. Let's. Let's press on okay. while it's working um, and talk about Elena Rabakina's match, her first match as a defending champion here. And we were all expecting this to be a banana skin uh, for two reasons. One, Shelby Rogers is a very good player who has a track record of producing a, a level against the top players that she perhaps isn't always able to produce week in, week out. And because of the massive question marks over Elena Borobakina's health um, and physicality just at the moment, subsequent to that virus we know she's been suffering from. I don't know how to describe this match. I, I, I feel like I missed the best part of it. I was watching it on the TV, but I managed to get out for the end of the first set, at which point the quality seemed to absolutely drop off a cliff. Um, by all accounts, the first set was pretty good. Um, Shelby Rogers took it, six games to, to four. Rebekina did look... Well, she told us after the match she was incredibly nervous mm. um, ahead of her, her first match as defending champion here. Um, which leads me to think, actually, not much of this scoreline had much to do with, with Shelby Rogers because, honestly, Rogers was really poor in the two sets I saw really, really poor, and Rabakina started playing pretty well in sets two and three. I don't think she had to play that well. I don't feel like I've learned that much about where Elena Rabakina is at. I want to see her against more testing opposition to to really know. Um, it, it looks on paper like, wow, interesting match. That must have been a really good vibe inside centre court. Defending champion, a set down in the first match. A defending champion in the women's has only ever lost first round once before. When was that, David? Uh, 1994. Who was that, David? That was Steffi Graf being beaten by Laurie McNeil. Once before right, ever. <laughs> it should have... Yeah, for anybody that doesn't subscribe to the newsletter, we are doing the... The, I'm so pleased. The with workshopped it. 90s off between Matthew and David. It's happening. Subscribe to the newsletter mm. if you want to, to follow that. David hasn't actually had the question yet today, but I but I can tease and reveal that Matthew has, and I'm going to put the pressure on David, and Matthew's got it right. And it's a tough question. It's, we didn't think either of you would get this. Matthew. Mm. We're, st- we're still not saying enough to coax him out from behind the camera. Mm. But you're we'll, gonna we'll, well, he's wearing day. a Liverpool shirt today, so he has to stay behind the camera. <laughs> and you're going to ask it me after I've drunk this. <laughs> Is that fair? 
Yeah. <laughs> Look, if your knowledge of the 90s isn't strong enough to withstand half a glass of champagne, David, this is then me who, who do you think you are? Um, Two beers law. What was I saying? Rabatkinen, 94. Yeah, it should have felt like, wow, something big is brewing on mm. Centre Court and it didn't feel like, like that. The atmosphere was quite flat mm. out there and I think... The, the low quality of the tennis was a big factor in that. It felt very bitty. There was no rhythm. There was nothing to to really get your teeth into. There'd be one good rally and then there'd be a completely mistimed forehand from someone or a double fault and it just felt like it sucked the air out of the the room somewhat. And I do think the centre court and number one court is kind of less forgiving with the, with the roof on in those sorts of situations it's a hot house isn't it if the atmosphere is amazing it kind of seals it in mm. and allows it to marinate and enhances it but if the atmosphere is mm. bad it enhances how bad it it's is slightly awkward mm. yeah and it's it's a bit sleepy under the roof actually it can be it's 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 not a particularly pleasant environment to sit in i don't think for a very long time um i was watching this match really thinking of what Molly McElwee of the Telegraph had told us about how underpowered Rebekina looked in practice a few days ago. And in that first set, I really noticed that because Shelby Rogers was able to play her game and she wasn't, she wasn't rushed by Rebekina in a way that Rebekina can do to so many players. Rebekina did look tight and nervous, as she eventually said after the match. And also she just looked like someone who had had a really bad preparation coming in. She looked rusty. She was she was just spraying the ball and just mistiming it. And I really thought she was in trouble in this match, to be honest, when she lost that first set. But as you said, Rogers' level really dipped. I hadn't actually realised that Rogers had been in really poor form coming into this tournament. She hasn't won a match since April. She'd lost four in a row. Um... But Rabatkina, as it went on, improved, and particularly her serve improved. She ended up with really good numbers on that serve. 12 aces, really dominant behind her first serve. And if she's got that working Mm. and she can physically get a bit better as this tournament goes on, then we shouldn't be writing Rabatkina off in a way that I think a lot of people did pre-tournament. I certainly sort of did. I was just so worried about how she was feeling. She's got through this slightly tricky first round match you would hope from here that that she can improve Reggie's got her in the final hasn't he of course he has <laughs> I met the man himself today real Matt, highlight of the day actually Matt has met real life Reggie I thought he might just be a, a myth that only existed <laughs> in the ether somehow mm. but Matt has met mm. the physical man yeah and what a joy he was <laughs> I mean what's his record now overall across the two tournaments that we had him do in the newsletter predictions uh, he, well, he got none out of 14 at the Australian Open and he got one out of 15 at Roland Garros. One for 29. So, yeah, you're more likely to get a women's night session match at Roland Garros than you are than you are Reggie get a prediction correct. And that says a lot. Um, but he was in incredible spirits because a bit like you were saying, David, he'd had a... He'd had a miserable queuing experience. He, he, he queued overnight, got in, and saw a set of George Lofhagen <laughs> against Holger Rune. And then... Uh, TBC, whether I need my George Lofhagen yes. knowledge. Deferred until tomorrow, <laughs> folks. Yeah, and uh, then just sat in the rain for the rest of the day. So he was in, he was in incredible spirits. We love Reggie. Uh, he will be getting a refund. He will. Reggie, if you're watching. Full refunds for Grand Pass holders, number two court and number three court ticket holders today. Obviously, number one and, um, and centre court got a full day's play. In fact, they're getting bonus play mm. because right now uh, Dan Evans has been moved to centre court to start his comeback, David. Did you send a voice note? No, I just sort of sent him certain vibes that okay. seem to have landed. Right. Don't they, Matt? Well, he is uh, 6-5 in the third set. Like I said. If that's what you were looking for. <laughs> yeah. Right, vibes. Should we talk about Andy Murray? Up. I've been <laughs> talking to you, not watching that match. <laughs> Should we talk about Andy Murray vibes? <laughs> yeah. Andy Murray completed his second most efficient ever win at Wimbledon today. Yep. He lost only four games to Ryan Penniston. Mm. 
Andy Murray inefficient has not been exactly has, has not been words that we use together this year. I think that's that's actually important for him. It is because it cost him at the Australian Open to keep playing those grueling matches. I think he was in really good form in that tournament. He could have gone even further, uh, but here he's got it done in straight sets. His opponent in the next round is left waiting and we'll have to come back tomorrow either Dominic Team or Stefanos Sitsipas so things are good for Andy Murray I would say yeah and I and I, it, I think it's a bit of a shift from him to to really want the efficient matches because he definitely went through a period there where he was taking such a pride in winning the way that he was winning in Australia in Dubai where he kept on coming back from match points down we know he knew about his coming from match points down record. We know from his on-court interview in Australia that he knew that he was breaking the coming from two sets to love down record. He was taking a real pride and relish in winning that way. And that's that's the way that's in his DNA, really, isn't it? But he knows that he can't do that for seven matches or for six matches or for five matches. Or, not now. or even for four matches. And I, I think that he, it was a... Uh, a graduation to this point because he wasn't winning close matches before then he was mm. now he's done that state he's done that era can i say <laughs> very good david's See? learning Check me oh out. god tomorrow's a big day isn't it mm. Mm. why apart from the 87 matches <laughs> oh my gosh Th- this will do nothing for matt's overwhelm okay is there a I mean, concert coming out well, oh. no, tomorrow's the day that info gets released, I yeah. think, okay. about the pre-sale. For? It's an era's tour thing, okay, David. Fine. Yeah. So, as I was saying, <laughs> I think the difference is now, I think Andy Murray sees himself as a contender here. And you do not contend for this title if you are getting embroiled in four-hour epics in the first round that may play well on BBC One and we may all be punching the air and talking about the greatest hits of Andy Murray and all the memories but the truth is he doesn't need them now he needs them in the semi-finals etc when he's maybe facing one of the best players in the world or when he faces Novak Djokovic I say when obviously that that may well not happen but if he did face him he'd need to play one of the matches of his entire life and he's going to need plenty left in the tank I realise I'm projecting the chances of him getting that far are probably not that that big but his only chance is if he's efficient when he has to be and then he's effective when he's playing better players. It's funny, my, my question there was going to be take Novak Djokovic out of it, imagine he's in the Maldives. Is is Andy Murray a contender for this title? But then as I was composing that question in my mind, I thought actually the kryptonite that Andy Murray has in this draw at this Wimbledon is that he's the only guy that's ever beaten Novak Djokovic on grass. That's what he's got that none of the other guys have. I wouldn't pick him to beat Novak Djokovic on grass this year, but is he a contender for the Wimbledon title? No, not not with Novak Djokovic in the draw. Okay, with Novak Djokovic in the Maldives. With him not in the draw, yes. Matt? I think so. But, he, but Novak Djokovic is in the draw. The thing is, Novak, the thing Djokovic, is, Novak Djokovic, is Djokovic is on the other, other side of the draw. So I think I think an interesting question is, is Andy Murray sort of in the mix to get to the final? The, right? the, the like Cameron Norrie mix, whole... as we called it, that, that <laughs> David designed for Cameron Norrie in Australia this year. <laughs> what was I doing there? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> don't remember that at all. <laughs> uh, I suppose the, the idea of Andy Murray beating... A firing Carlos Alcaraz. I don't know when that match would happen. Feels it does maybe a little far fetched. Yeah, but I also think that Alcaraz is not a sure thing on this surface. Yeah, I actually believe in him on it, but there's just not enough. He hasn't had enough reps to be completely confident that he will produce his very best every time. And yet, I don't think I can confidently say that about Andy Murray yet because. Ryan Penniston is the kind of opponent that he's been beating handily on the Challenger Tour. Yeah, yeah you know, true. And, that is true. And we saw him play Alex Dimonor at Queens, and I know he was exhausted, but there was a real quality 
elevation that Murray wasn't able to live with on that day. If if Murray gets a big win in the second or third round and he does it efficiently and doesn't sort of absolutely tire himself out, then I think we're absolutely talking. But no, right fair. now, I guess I would say I would say no to the question that he's even in the mix to reach the final. So he's in your final mix. He's in your not quite final mix. Mm. Yeah, I feel I like want I want heads may- on blocks here, people. <laughs> I maybe didn't think it through uh, enough. Because I, I think you make a very valid point about the next round. I think if he beats one of those and he's in the third round... Well, I, w- I watch some Sitsipas team. As it stands at the moment, team is a set-up on Stefanis Sitsipas. It's on serve in the latter stages of the second set. Neither of them looks particularly up for it. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I went out to that match via Irani versus Brengel, which... <laughs> was a great time and everything voluntarily well i went for team (laughs) i went for team sitsipas and court seven is is en route to to court two from the media center and i thought oh now i'm here i need to watch a bit of irani brengel and what was it like it was everything i hoped it would be (laughs) uh aborted ball tosses from irani (laughs) uh three breaks of serve in the first three games (laughs) just just great and yet amid all of that some wonderful rallies as well lots of drop shot lobs that was a real oh, combination that both of them like to use it was it was just giving um but then i eventually you know i was able to tear myself away from that and i went to team versus Sitsipas and i was really struck by how it didn't feel like a match between two former Grand Slam finalists, you know, or Grand Slam champion in, in Dominic Team's case. It felt like a match between where they are now mm. in their careers. And for Dominic Team, that's desperately trying to get back to where he was. And for Stefano Sitsipas, I'm not sure I have the vocabulary to describe where Stefano Sitsipas is right now in his life or career, but he's certainly not what he was a couple of years ago where we felt like he was a real contender at the biggest tournaments certainly on grass he's never really been that but it just felt a bit flat and it just felt like it honestly it felt like a first round match whereas it should have felt like oh why is this match happening in the first round it should be happening in in the fourth round or quarterfinals and neither of them are in are in good form and yeah I probably would back Andy Murray to beat either of them to be honest seeing as it's a a slower news day than one might expect on day two of a slam. Do you want to share the Sitsidosa news that you you shared with me earlier, Matt, so I don't have to bear it alone? <laughs> David's on the edge of his seat. <laughs> Viewers are tuning out in their droves. Mm. Well, I read it, uh, I think it was reported in the Greek press, but it was, it was translated <laughs> onto Twitter. Off, David. And apparently their relationship started after Sitsipas texted Barossa congratulations for beating Ons Jabur in Rome. Which so that was first contact really, with Rome. Really was not that long ago. And now <laughs> they've gone soulmates. from they've gone for, from a DM to soulmates <laughs> in the time that I mean I've done about two loads of washing in that time. <laughs> Due to Grand Slam to related factors. factors. <laughs> but I mean really in the words of Venus Williams, wishing them luck. <laughs> okay, <laughs> moving on, moving on. Ons Jabeur won today. I went to a press conference a little while ago. Matt, I know you watched quite a lot of this match out on court number one. Um, you dubbed Magdalena Fretch tricky before the match, and I accused you of um, thinking all Polish females are the same. <laughs> Because obviously Magdalenette is tricky, and I think we can call world number one Iga Swiatek quite tricky. Onsjeba um, didn't find French very tricky today, by the looks of things. Four and three for, mm. for last year's finalist. Yeah, it was it was pretty straightforward actually for Jabeur. Uh, I, I just noticed that Freck had won quite a few matches on the grass leading in to Wimbledon, uh, and yet. Onsjabur dealt with her very easily and and actually she started her Wimbledon campaign on court one last year as well but I did sort of think if she hadn't reached the final here last year 
this year there might have been more players who might have been scheduled ahead of on Shabur. And actually, what a mm. great thing for her that she ended up on on court one with the roof. Such an advantage, and she just she just made the most of it. Um, I watched the match in in the press seats with uh, Geary Nathan, who is one of our favourite tennis writers, and he said at the end that. Watching Ons Jabeur is just, just like getting a brain massage. <laughs> just incredibly relaxing. And I think, I think that, was, that was a really nice turn of phrase because it was just quite a relaxing time. And it was, it was a match where a lot of her really special shots maybe didn't quite come off. There was a lot of rallies which she set up, the sort of spectacular winner, didn't, didn't quite end up making it. She did hit one fantastic shot to win the first set. But generally, she was extremely comfortable. Um, and, yeah, just watching her hit drop shots. And there was there was a moment where she thought she'd set up match point with an ace. Uh, Freck challenged the call. And during that challenge, she just started doing keepy-uppies with the ball. <laughs> uh, just sort of how, how relaxed she was. And then it was out, so she had to, she had to win the point again. And she did so with a, with a high backhand volley, jumping, jumping winner. And it just it just put me in mind of something she said in her pre-tournament press conference, which was that she wanted to have fun on the grass here, was her aim. So I sort of asked her about that in the press conference afterwards, and something just really clicked for me, really, that the tennis tour is very, very hard, and it's a grind, and we've talked a lot recently about how tough it is for players on this tour, and yet we never really mention Ons Jabeur in that conversation. And she sort of said, yes, it is really, really hard, the tour. And if I think about it, I, I'm going to get very stressed on this tour. So I have to go out on the court and just express myself and have fun and play with joy. And she knows no real other way. And I think what's been brilliant about Ons Jabeur in the last few years is how she's been able to sort of combine that with really winning tennis as well and reach a couple of Grand Slam finals. And, yeah, you know, early days for Ons Jabeur, obviously, but a pretty promising start, I would say, that suggests that she's in some pretty good form and that we shouldn't, we shouldn't forget about her. You know, all the talk about mm. big three, I do sometimes forget a little bit about Ons Jabeur, but... Her, her uh, CV. Imagine how Barbara Kuchikova feels. <laughs> we know how she feels. Um, She's just put herself in it. So, you know, it's fine. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's it's, it's always a good time watching on the Yeah. And I, I got the impression in press that she was really pleased with how she played today. I thought she was still delightful, sunny, minister of happiness on Jabur, but there was a steal as well. She thought, OK, I am in I am in the sort of form I was in last year. This is This is on for me. Let's mm. go. That was uh, the impression I got from her. Um, let's talk about Sabalenka for a moment, and then actually I want to go back to Andy Murray because I missed a very salient point. Um, I'm just I'm just teasing that to keep people with us in case they were very put off by the Sitsidosa chat. <laughs> um, or distracted by Dan Evans taking the third set. He had, well, Who I'm needs one... a David Law voice note? Well, I mean, you know, like I say, I feel like I may have had an impact. You put something out into the ether <laughs> yes. and he felt it. You know, we were... Maybe maybe somebody was watching the live show last night who just, you know... How well? Hey, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's on court. What am I doing? No, no, but... Right. He's watching it back. Right. Arena Sabalenka, 6-3-6-1 for her over Panaradvadi, 63 minutes. I think we expected this to be fairly straightforward. She, she walked past us earlier looking incredibly relaxed. Um... She said in her post-match interview on court, she was really emotional. And she said she didn't realise until she stepped out there today how much she'd missed this place. Um, And I... Totally setting aside how you feel about the Russian and Belarusian ban last year, and we we covered it in in great detail. We all had our, our feelings, but all of those feelings came with a lot of nuance none of us felt black or white about it all of us came down sort of 51 49 on on one side but regardless of how you feel about the the rightness or otherwise of that ban those players aren't banned this year and as such I think they're they're here on the same standing as anybody else and 
I'm glad that they're not being sort of slighted in court assignments or, you know, sort of subtly, subtly slighted mm. in, in some way. I think if you're going to let them play, let them play properly and let it be equal. And I was pleased to see Irina Sabalenka on centre court today. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think um, I, I can understand how she feels. It, even, even as much as it's a different subject, but coming back here after the pandemic, after it not happening for a year, I was surprised at how emotional I felt about returning. This is a, a different situation. But, um, yeah, I get that. And I'm glad she was letting us in on it, really, and not hiding that emotion. Um she looked good today and she looks ready to ready to rock ready to go for a, a run at this tournament and and she's been like that all year long she's not let herself down many times she obviously had that that one terrible moment in the french open when she's about to win about to beat carolina mukova and and it's it'll be very interesting i think as as this tournament progresses for her whether that's left any scar tissue damage mm. emotionally and mentally for her we won't know until she comes up against somebody who's a real threat I guess yeah I agree and especially in those latter stages uh, I, I didn't get to watch a huge amount of this but it seemed from what Hannah was tweeting that there was some real stress for Sabalenka in that first set perhaps you know related to what you've just described there the emotion of, of being back at Wimbledon back on centre court but it did seem like she loosened up towards the end I, I, I did see the closing stages and there was a moment where she, I think she was actually at match point and she hit a fantastic tweener but lost the point and still celebrated because she was so <laughs> pleased that she'd made oh, this brilliant that is tweener. so relatable. <laughs> yeah, right. Like That's in, what I do. I, I hit a winner. I, I hit what I feel should be a winner. I stand and admire it. Absolutely. While the opponent chases it down and hits it past me and I still feel like I should get a point for that because mm. I did hit a lovely shot. <laughs> and you don't even mind that you didn't win a point. No. Yeah. Because you uh, hit that inside out feet off the I ground mind, backhand. I mind a little bit. Yeah. Anyway. Mm. But yeah, I think uh, I think by the closing stages she was a bit looser, a bit freer and I really think well, I've, I predicted her to win the tournament here. So I have too, and I feel good about it after today. Yeah, one, so. one down, Arena, <laughs> six to go. I still don't know if I've got any points in the daily predictions because none of none of the matches <laughs> that I've predicted have been completed yet. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Back to Andy Murray quickly before we look ahead to the franticness of tomorrow something that Matt said to me while we were watching Andy Murray earlier is I think Andy Murray's service motion is different now if if anybody else said that to me I'd go don't be ridiculous Andy Murray has been on tour for 20 years (laughs) he's been I mean I could I could pick that service motion out of a lineup of millions but it was Matt Roberts saying it to me. 
and I thought, okay, I, I believe you to the extent that when Matt was unable to attend Andy Murray's press conference earlier, I felt like I needed to put the question that he would have put and my heart was pounding in my chest because it meant that I had to put my <laughs> neck on the line rather than Matt. I was definitely, I was sitting a few row, a few seats along and I was definitely thinking, blimey, Catherine, that's a good spot <laughs> if it's true. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I shouldn't be disclosing this now because I'm just revealing that it is absolutely not my spot at all. Um, but anyway, I said, Andy, my eyes might be deceiving. I decided not to explain to him <laughs> that it actually wasn't my observation. It was Matt Roberts. Do you know Matt Roberts? He's my co-host on the tennis podcast. Oh, yeah, yeah, you do know Matt. Yeah, yeah. He does do great stats. Um, did, decided not to, not to do all that. So I just said, Andy, um, correct me if my eyes have been deceiving me. Uh, my best acting. And uh, I said, is there something a little bit different about your service motion? And you were in the room, David. Did I clock a little sort of, oh, oh you spotted that. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> oh. A little bit. I mean, he, he also, there was a bit of a hesitation as well, because I think he, you know, he probably liked to keep that to mm. himself, ideally. Um, and then he admitted that, well, it's not an admission, is it? But he, he, can, he confirmed that, yes... There is a change to it. And then you, you pressed him on what it is and why. Did a follow-up just was, for you, Matt. Please it, tell me. I've got to tell you, Matt. I'm on was, the edge of my seat. It was really great, I mm. thought. I was going to say, I feel like this is great, this is great double teamwork. It is. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, so I said, is, with much trepidation, <laughs> is there something different about yourself? And when he started saying, oh, yeah, there is, I thought, oh. <laughs> and I was emboldened to ask the follow-up. He said that it came about by accident at the start of the grass court season. He said, I just started playing around and it just seemed to work. Out, wasn't he? Right. It was, it, it was uh, Nottingham that I noticed it. Oh, wow. <laughs> Crikey, Matt. Mm. This might be your best ever work. <laughs> and I'm just basking in its reflected mm. glow. And I'm in the 90s. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I, I said exactly what you said to me earlier. Is there a little bit less arch on your back? And he said, uh, yeah, there might be, but that's not the point of it. Um, yeah, he just said, oh, well, it's work. He said there's less kind of swing on it, less of a pronounced take back. It's very difficult for me to demo David with an umbrella and a microphone <laughs> in my hand. Could you help me out a little bit here? Because well, he did a little demo for yeah, us, didn't I think, he? I think you're getting it across. It's, it was less of a swing back and then forwards. Um, but I just found it really interesting that a player of his experience and his success mm. is tinkering like that because that kind of feels, as a layperson, quite risky to me. Mm. You, you don't want strokes that are not well honed to risk breaking down you want you want to be able to rely on your go-to where it's a service spot that you're aiming for or a pattern of play but I guess he he is comfortable with what it's doing I mean I am also interested to know and he wasn't saying that the arching of the back was anything to do or the lack of it was anything to do with taking pressure off a body part but maybe it is Mm. you know I I I completely understand if 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 he's keeping that to himself but sometimes players do that remember nadal changed his service motion to Djokovic take did as pressure well. off yeah absolutely sharapova yeah and and actually when you talk about Ed Djokovic, Berg. look at look at what Djokovic has done to his serve mm. it's unrecognizable for, throughout various stages of his career so maybe it's not as uncommon as i think but i do think it's a, a fantastic spot that you've made there and good on you for asking the mm. question. I'm so proud. <laughs> Watching so much tennis pays off <laughs> at last. And having, having Catherine to put it to him, perfection. Um, so I've giveth to Matt Roberts. Now I taketh away. We, we've arrived at the portion of the show where we need to talk about tomorrow, Matt. Oh, so just, okay, I'm braced. Just brace yourself. Mm. I haven't exactly added up how many full or partial singles matches there are on the order of play tomorrow, but... Spoiler alert, folks, it's a lot. Um, <laughs> the, the show courts are, as, as normal, three scheduled matches. I rather suspect that 
if either if the main courts finish early, they will try and shove other matches on there because of course they can play later with the lights they can play until 11 p.m the curfew on center and the number one court but as it's scheduled at the moment we start at 1 30 on center court with daria kazakina against jody burridge british winner in round one wow. yesterday incredible reward for her to get center court billing good honor um Iga Sviontek against sara saribes tormo is second on center um and she can play on grass and we know this because of the Angelique Kerber oh, yeah. match mm. that she played what, a couple of years ago that match. David listened to yeah. <laughs> David Matt and I watched it. it on the telly and whilst nodding off in the seat outside I was, I was doing the next match on and, <laughs> and I think I joined it at about five all in the third set or something and I was still there an hour later um, but I <laughs> we were texting him going oh that was a good point this, and you said yeah it sounded good yeah, yeah. Go, this is amazing I'm like, I can't get in because all the seats are full <laughs> Feels it like, was so good, that match. Feels like something's got to give with that match because Igor Sviontek plays very quick matches and Soros Rubes Tormo plays marathons only. Mm. I guess I would I lean think on the I know, side I of think quick. I know what might give, <laughs> yeah. but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. David gets his dream come true, third on centre court tomorrow. Jordan Thompson against Novak Djokovic. You Genu- wanted it, David? It's happening. Genuinely looking forward to that just because I think this is a good stage of the tournament for a proper serve and volleyer swashbuckling tennis player to face Novak Djokovic I think it's it's a the only chance of of dare I say an upset no I don't dare say that but it's the only chance that he could become unsettled is if it, if it happens now and I, I hope for Jordan Thompson's sake that he is not feeling physically too uh, hindered by the five set match he had in the first round, he played he Brandon came back Nakashima. From two down, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, I mean, he always strikes me as a really robust athlete himself. So I just think he's going to go for it. Ninety-nine times out of a hundred, I don't see it having much effect on Novak Djokovic because Djokovic is that good. But I think he's got more chance than a hell of a lot of other players mm. of similar ranking. He, he is carrying a tiny bit less weight, Jordan Thompson. He has shaved his moustache. Has he? <laughs> mm. it, it looks wrong. The handlebars. Yes, it looks oh. all wrong. So actually, the chap in the um, Australian uh, dugout <laughs> yeah. at Lords the other day that we th- we thought was Jordan Genuinely Thompson thought it was Jordan actually Thompson. couldn't have been Jordan Thompson no. because that man had the moustache. Okay. Mm. I actually think Djokovic will probably be zoned in because he he'll be aware of the threat of somebody coming at him and he'll have to be really it'll focus him yeah mm. focused honest and he, and he is the best returner uh, in the so game so you've talked yourself into that being brilliant and then out of it I still think it'll be good, a good watch I'm telling you I think it'll be good ok first on number one court <laughs> is Daniel Medvedev <laughs> against Arthur Ferry that match I think was supposed to be last on number two court today um, Heather Watson against Barbara Krojcikova has been um, bumped up to court uh, to number one court. That was supposed to be on number two court today. And Yannick Sinner against Diego Schwartzman. That is a second round match because, of course, Sinner won yesterday. That is last on number one court tomorrow. Number two court looks thus. Brace yourself, Matt. Zachary against Kostiuk. Then Fritz against Hanfman. Fifth set to finish. Then Team against Sitsipas to finish. Then Zverev against Brewer to start that's the first round and then Podoroska against Azarenka court three Tiafo against Wu Yi Bing Runa against George Lofhagen to finish Sonic Cartel against Madison Keys Petro Kvitova Jasmine Paulini rescheduled for tomorrow Rublev against Karatsev that's proper video game tennis Ooh, isn't it Rublev Karatsev that. yeah um, and there is no rain forecast for tomorrow oh. I should I should add a Beatrice few, a few, day, a few days of good Beatrice weather. had admired Yulia Putin's saver first up on court 12 David Shapovalov against Albot to finish Sonigo Berrettini to finish Mukova Niemeyer oh. is fourth on court 12 can't wait for that Choinsky Hercatch I mean I could read through this whole thing Daria Savile against Katie Bolter that is second on court 18 to finish tomorrow, Musetti Munar. Um, tomorrow is going to be a lot. Yes. Yeah. Epic. 
I tell but you, a lot. Uh, if if I could just take a moment of selfishness right now, sure. Um, tomorrow's a day that I'm on the radio, and uh, there is nothing we love more on the radio than a day like this because you put. 10 reporters on 10 different courts and you just go wherever the stories are and as I, d- I hope it sounds good I hope it sounds as good as it feels to watch and to talk about it and to zip around the courts it's a, it's a joy to, to work on days like that mm. so stick your earbuds in I right? will be listening David he'll be listening with that, with, with that with that slightly very uh, vacant expression <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, I will be hydrating mm. Matt tomorrow. Mm. That will be my job. Can uh, I can I tell you something that's that's amused me this evening? Yes, because because Dan Evans is not the only match that's that's going on. There's also uh, Thomas Martin Echeverry versus Bernabe Zapata Miraes, which is going on on Court One. And what I find amusing about this is that we got hundreds of emails today from the referee's office about matches being cancelled and all sorts of notifications and one of them was a doubles withdrawal and it was Albot Ramos Vinyalas and Bernabe Zapata Marias have withdrawn due to but Bernabe Zapata Marias suffering from fatigue <laughs> <laughs> and then the next email that I got was Thomas Martin Echeverry versus Bernabe Zapata Marias is moving to court one <laughs> and I thought well which one is it is he ready to play a singles match or is he withdrawing from the doubles from fatigue it Apparently does highlight the farce of you can't just withdraw and say look it's rained all day. Yeah, <laughs> it's too much hassle. Yeah, all right, I, a, I can't do both. Life is life is a lot. I'm trying to I'm trying to manage my time. Mm. That, that should be you know enough. And the other reason I brought it up is that they've been replaced in the doubles draw by what I can only describe as a troll team of Corentin Mute and Constant Lestien. <gasps> oh, when they play. <laughs> Cancel everything. That is. I am going to be watching. David that. will. <laughs> David will genuinely be there for that. That yeah. is a lot of fun. They will lose in the first round. But it will be Hardly very fun. Uh, we have our Wimbledon mascot, Erin. Yeah. Erin's a cat, so I imagine doesn't much like this weather. Same, Erin. Very much the same. But the forecast reassures me that things are looking up from tomorrow so fingers crossed we have our mascots absolutely no idea how things are going Xenia because <laughs> because rain <Nothing's> happening. <laughs> um, Maisie for you David yeah Artifice I went for he went home about eight hours ago <laughs> uh, and Matt's got Darwin yep we didn't play today <laughs> <laughs> Billie Jean who presumably hopefully is watching she loved the live show last night oh, did Billy Jean K9 this is Billy Jean um, King thought it was pretty good <laughs> <laughs> she's sponsored by Billy Jean King and Alana Kloss we have our top folks and executive producers Jamie Hannah and Drew hello to you and Matt we have shout outs we do we have a very special shout out section today I want to first of all say happy birthday to Pam Shriver happy Yay! birthday Pam happy birthday Pam 4th of July uh, this weather was was not becoming of a Pam Shriver birthday. We apologise on behalf of the UK, We Pam. do. Uh, and but at I, least Donna Vekic gave her a cake. That yes, was a nice that touch. was lovely. Yes. Well done, Donna. Well done, Donna. Good looking cake that as well. That was great. And... Yeah, I, I'd like to. I'd like to hand over to you, Catherine, for the. Uh, no, for you the have shout to do it because I'll cry. Oh, okay. Well, the reason, the reason that we've had uh, champagne in our glasses today, is because Catherine has become an aunt for the first time today. Uh, so our shout out is for Nina. Nina Neve Whitaker, born just before four o'clock today, uh, during an Andy Murray match, during an Onsjabur match. It was all perfect. Um, so if I if I still had something in my glass, I do. <laughs> would very much raise it to Nina. And uh, yeah, what a what a special day. Yeah, congratulations. Congratulations to, you to the to the family. Yeah. Wish we weren't live from Wimbledon now. <laughs> um, yeah, sorry, Hannah and Yula Niemeyer, but we're retiring Yula Niemeyer, future Wimbledon champion, and we're going Nina Whitaker, future Wimbledon champion. Yeah. Um, thank you, Matt. It's been a very special day, despite 
all of this. We'll be back tomorrow when it will be a very special day in in a different kind of way. Uh, thank you for watching. Do subscribe to the newsletter if you'd like to know how the 90s off between David and Matthew is going. I'm on the edge of my seat because I cannot believe that Matthew got... To, to, today was kind of a, a litmus test to see how hard we could go. We thought today might be too hard. I've still got to answer it. And I've just done this. And I'm about to go and watch Dan Evans. Mm, we are. In fact, <laughs> let's get this show off the road because I think we should all go and watch Dan Evans. Uh, subscribe to the newsletter. Follow us on social media, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter. Um, if you're listening to us on the podcast, check out the live show on YouTube if you'd like to. You get to see me dripping under an umbrella for an hour while the men sit in the dry. Uh, what else? Like and subscribe if you are watching us on YouTube. Smash that like button in yeah. the words of, uh, of David's kids. What else have we got? Leave us an Apple podcast review. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Become a friend of the tennis podcast if you would like to support us. All the important links are in our show notes. Matt's making a face. What have you got, Matt? I have just had an email from the referee's office saying, withdrawal correction, Albert Ramos Vinulas is suffering from fatigue. <laughs> Do you think the referee's office are watching the show? <laughs> what, what influence we have? Yes, we've finally got influence. <laughs> On that note, folks, thanks for listening and we'll see you and talk to you tomorrow. 